Thank you so much for joining me again. This is The Apologist Bookshelf, and I'm Gary Zacharias. I realize there's a book sitting on my shelf that I should have gotten to a long time ago, and I didn't. I don't know how I passed over it, but it's a book by Frank Turek called Stealing from God. And then the subtitle, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case, which I think is interesting. Some of the people that uh, praise the book, Lee Strobel, says he brilliantly, etc., uh, etc., et so it calls him brilliant. Uh, Eric Metaxas talks about uh, it being a superb book. John Lennox talks about user-friendly style, highly accessible case for the falsity of atheism. Uh, let's see who else has complimented it here. Steve Meyer says uh, he's written an original critique of many of the most commonly used arguments for atheism, showing in each case these arguments depend on facts or concepts that atheism itself has difficulty explaining. He calls it a lively and persuasive book. So a lot of people have gotten much good out of the book. One more person, Jay Warner Wallace. I love Jim Wallace and some of his information. He says, Frank Turek is smart, passionate, unafraid to speak the truth. Says this book will change the way you think about the world and equip you to defend what you believe. So uh, Frank Turek, he's probably better known for his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I always say if you're going to have one book sitting on your shelf that uh, talks about apologetics, that would probably be it. But this is a wonderful book, too. And uh, so I'm going to start in pretty early in the book, first chapter here. And he talks about these new atheists that are out there. He says, you got Dawkins, you got Sam Harris, you got the late uh, Christopher Hitchens, among others. And says they have all sorts of intellectual weapons they bring against the idea of God. Uh, Doc, <laughs> I always like reading Richard Dawkins because he's just so inflammatory. Uh, he says anybody who believes in God is deluded. He said when one person suffers from a delusion, it's called insanity. When many people suffer from a delusion, it's called religion. <laughs> so I, I think that's pretty funny. Um, how about this? Francis Crick. Remember him? That name helped discover the DNA molecule. He claims that uh, we can understand the soul and consciousness. You can explain it materially. You don't have to reference any God. Uh, in fact, this is what Crick said. You, your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your ambitions, your sense of personal identity and free will are in fact no more than the behavior of a vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. How about Richard Hitchens? Well, he's gone into the commands in the early part of the Bible, and he talks about him being immoral. Uh, he talks about the biblical restrictions of sexual behavior. He talks about bad behavior of religious people. He's got a book called God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. Wow. Um, the New Atheists say, we, we as Christians, we believe without evidence. God's just a figment of our imagination. Science, reason, morality, and evil say so. So then Turek says, well, since atheists use arguments from science, reason, morality, and evil to support atheists, that must kill off the idea of God, right? No. He says there's a fatal problem with all of those atheist arguments against God. They're stolen from God himself. So what does Turek mean by that? Well, he says atheists are using things about reality to argue against God that wouldn't be there if atheism were true. So when they give arguments for their atheistic worldview, they're stealing from a theistic worldview. So they're stealing from God to argue against him. 
He said it's really part of our common sense that atheists take a lot of these aspects of reality for granted, but they can't exist if atheism is true. Theism can explain them, but atheism can't. So what Turk is going to do, he's going to have six chapters, and each chapter will cover um, these intellectual crimes that atheists are committing. In other words, they will represent one or more aspects of reality that just would not exist if atheism were true. So here they are. I'm just going to list them, and then we're going to, if we have time, we'll get to the first one, which is causality. So he's going to use a, an acronym, C-R-I-M-E-S, crimes. C is for causality, R for reason, I for information and intentionality, M, morality, E, evil, and S for science. So he's going to take those things and say, actually, if you argue for reason, if you argue for a standard of morality, if you argue for evil things being evil, if you argue for the value of science and things like that, information, you're actually arguing for theism, but you just don't know it. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to go through those C-R-I-M-E-S items in order, chapter after chapter, and he points out that the worldview of the new atheist can't explain the most basic truths of reality and the most important aspects of life. So the next section of the book here is, he said, well, let's start with a really basic question. People say, oh, I don't believe in God. So Turek says, I'll ask him, well, what kind of God don't you believe in? And after they described their version of God, he said, I often agree with them. Yeah, I don't believe in that kind of God either. So he says the new atheists are, are not really rejecting the God of the Bible. They're rejecting a caricature. They see God as you know, kind of like a superhero like Zeus or Thor, that he's inside the universe and that we just use him to cover things that we can't figure out. He's morally arbitrary. He can f fly off the handle. And remember, this is what Dawkins said about God. <clears throat> he said, I found it an amusing strategy when asked whether I am an atheist to point out that the questioner is also an atheist when considering Zeus, Apollo, Amun-Ra, Mithras, Baal, Thor, Wotan, and the golden calf, and the flying spaghetti monster. I just go one God further. Ho, ho, ho. I added that. That's not, that's not what Dawkins says. But he said, that strategy, this is now Turek talking, that strategy is amusing but it's kind of sad because he doesn't really know biblical theism. The God of the Bible is not like Zeus or Apollo or Baal or the rest. He's not a created being. He is being itself. He transcends everything that's created. He's the sustainer. He's the cause of all created things. Because this kind of God can be known by all people because he's revealed himself, the book of nature and the Bible. So he says, you know, we've got to stop thinking of God as kind of like a big angel or an old man in the sky. The God of the Bible is the source and sustainer of all things. And here's just a, a list of some of his characteristics. He's self-existing, infinite, simple, not made of parts, immaterial, spaceless, timeless, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, immutable, he won't change, holy, and he's personal. Now, he says, by the way, I'm not arguing at this point that this God actually exists. It says my, his point is that when atheists attack what they think is the God of the Bible, they're just attacking an idol, like the Old Testament talked about, an invented being that God kept telling Israel not to mess with. Orthodox Christians don't believe in created gods, and neither does Richard Dawkins. Isn't that funny? 
So it says, ironically, Richard Dawkins and Orthodox Christians and the true God agree on one thing. Idols don't really exist. All right, the next section of this chapter I think is uh, important because we're starting to see this as an argument. Turk says it's been fashionable lately for atheists to kind of back off and put all the pressure on Christians by saying, well, I just believe, I just lack a belief in God. So the atheists will say, I don't really have a worldview. We just lack a belief in God. We, we don't have any burden of proof to support atheism. We just think the arguments for God are lacking. He says, well, if atheism is merely a lack of belief in God, then it's just a claim about the atheist state of mind, isn't it? If you say, I lack a belief in God, that's talking about you. It's not really making a claim about God's existence. The atheist is just saying, I'm not psychologically convinced that God exists. So what, says Turek? That's offering no evidence either for or against God. He says, secondly, if atheism is just merely this lack of belief in God, he said, then rocks, trees, and outhouses are atheists too. They lack a belief in God. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. Turk says it doesn't take any brains to lack a belief in something. A true atheist believes that there is no God. He says another thing about this, if atheists just say, well, I lack a belief in God, he said, why are they constantly trying to explain the world by offering supposed alternatives? They write book after book, insisting there's no God. You got quantum theory, you got multi multiple universes, you got evolution. It says that it shows the atheists don't just lack a belief in God. They believe in certain theories to explain reality without God. Because atheism is what? It's a worldview. Now, worldview, by the way, it's like a set of beliefs about the big questions of life, like what's the ultimate reality? Uh, who are humans? What are, what's our problem? How should we be living? How do we fix ourselves? So it said, if you say atheism is not a worldview, so it's kind of like saying anarchy is not really a political position. Well, yes, it is. One person said an anarchist might say he simply rejects politics, but how should human society organize itself? And he's actually coming up with an idea. So atheists say they reject God, but they're still confronted with the problem of how do you explain ultimate reality? Atheists believe atheistic materialism is the best way to explain it. That's their dominant view. And that's the view that this book of his is going to address. So atheists don't lack a belief in materialism. They're not skeptical of that. They think it's true. Philip Johnson said, he who is a skeptic in one set of beliefs is a true believer in another set of beliefs. Exactly right. Atheists can't get off the hook by saying, I just lack a belief in God as if it's all neutral and it's up to the Christian to do all the heavy lifting there. So... Um, Everyone has a burden of proof, Turek says. Yeah, that's right. Atheists have got to make a positive case that only material things exist. And uh, Turek says, actually, when he debates, he'd really rather not debate, does God exist? He said he'd rather debate the question, what better explains reality, atheism or theism? And then that way, both debaters have the burden of proof to support their position. Atheists can't just point out deficiencies in theism. They've got to make a case for all sorts of things that are caused by just materials. They have to argue the beginning of the universe is materialistic, the fine-tuning of the universe, materialistic, the laws of nature, laws of logic, laws, laws of math, information like the genetic code, you know, DNA, 
They've got to argue that life and mind and consciousness and free will and objective morality and evil, all those things have to consist only of materials. Isn't that interesting? So he says the main point is that the new, the atheist, the new atheists have got to come up with reasons that materialism is true. Just saying, I lack a belief in God, that doesn't prove their worldview. So he said, don't let atheists hide behind their lacking definition. A true atheist is someone who believes there is no God. Of course it is. And then they have the burden of proof to show how, if there's no God, then materialism is true and reality could be explained without God. But there's going to be a problem doing that. Um, let me move ahead here a little bit. Kind of sad. He mentions... Uh, in another section of this opening chapter, that something like 75% of young people leave the church after high school because the society is pushing so hard at atheism. He said uh, many parents and churches emphasize emotion for kids and they ignore the biblical commands to develop the mind. So most kids skip off to college, Christian kids, they have just kind of a feel-good emotionalism because of church. They've had bands, they've had pizza, they have Pepsi. But they're going up against hardcore, dedicated materialists. So it says, what you win kids with, you win them too. So if you win them with emotion, you win them to emotion. But he said, you know, those emotions are no match for college professors who want to under, undermine their beliefs. You've got to have some facts. Um, he says, a tepid Christianity can't withstand a rabid secularism. So if you're just mildly a Christian you're going to get steamrolled. And secularism is rabid. It's, it is a religion, and it's a hardcore proselytizing religion that really tries to push hard on people. He said uh, belief in God is often mocked or dismissed, even in courses called religion courses in college. But he says, you know, depending on answering this one question, I'll get to it in a second, th this changes your life completely. Here's the question, does God exist. If he does, then what we believe and how we live matters for all eternity. But if there's no God out there, then nothing ultimately matters. There's no objective game plan for living. So that's life's most important question. So what do we have to do as Christians? We've got to expose the faults in atheism. We've got to provide evidence for Christian theism. This is the time to do it. This is the the, the crucial time that we're living in when we're being challenged. And he says, atheism is growing. We've got to refute atheistic beliefs directly. So how do you do that? He said, well, he said, if you, he said, if you look at atheism, he, he compares it to a house that has fatal flaws in its foundation. Most of the views of atheists that he's going to tackle in this book are faulty, he said, because of logic, or they can only be supported if theism is true. And he says, here's the most common logical mistake. He's going to bring this up again and again in the book. So here's the most common mistake atheists will make. They violate the law of non-contradiction. They put forth, he says, a theory about reality is supposed to be universal, but then they exempt themselves from it. So we'll see that as the uh, chapter continues. He said, you know, you don't have to be a specialist to spot problems. He said, uh, the foundation of every field is philosophy. He said, not the kind of pointless stuff where you kind of sit around and ask, do I really exist? He says, the kind of philosophy that tries to discover what reality is and how it works in every aspect of human experience. Does atheism best account 
for everything in human experience, not just material things, but immaterial truths that we perceive like logic and love and justice and morality and consciousness. He said, if we'll use the tools of philosophy, and he'll get into that, if we'll use those tools, that would include logic and good reasoning skills. Wow, and we don't see much of that today, do we? But he says, if we use these tools of philosophy, he says, we're going to see that atheism can account for very little of what we experience. It lacks power to explain reality. He says, we'll also see that the assumptions that atheism depends on are flawed. And he says, it's going to bring the entire superstructure of atheism crashing down. He said, the house is built on the sand of illogic is a goner. And so he starts in, that's the end of his opener, and then he starts in on that C-R-I-M-E-S, causality, reason, information and intentionality, morality, evil, science, C-R-I-M-E-S. And that first chapter coming up is causality. And in other words, how did things get here? What caused this universe? So, uh, excellent book. I enjoyed this a lot. And I'm sorry I didn't get to it sooner. But I know you'd like it too. Stealing from God, Frank Turek. If you have a chance, watch Turek. Uh, he has tons of YouTube uh, videos. He uh, goes to college campuses. He interacts with people. He's from New Jersey, so he's got kind of an attitude. It's, it's a lot of fun to hear him. I've got a DVD of him debating Christopher Hitchens. He did this years ago. If you ever look at that uh, DVD, by the way, you know what you're going to notice? Hitchens does not use logic. He does not use science. He does not use philosophy. The, the issue is, does God exist? And uh, Turek does. So what does Hitchens do? He uses emotional arguments. He makes, he makes people laugh. He, he talks about how angry he is at God. He ridicules Christianity. But he has no arguments. I just think that's uh, fascinating. Well, anyway, uh, thank you for joining me, and we'll do another podcast soon.